You're tuned in with the Underground Christian Network. Go to the book of Luke, chapter number, you ought to know by now, 15. Also, after you find that, I want you to turn. I'm not going to show you where to read just yet. But find Luke 15, and then find Romans chapter number 4. We're going to look at the elder brother real shortly. Ain't going to take very long. This man, in my estimation, is the meanest man in the New Testament. And here's what we're going to read. Now, his elder son, this is in verse 25, was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked, What does this mean? He said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father has killed the fatted calf. i got a question. How many... Anybody here, you raise cows? Scotty, how long does it take to fatten up a calf? Four, eight, twelve, six... We're going to say this story took place in about six months' time. Because I believe the day that the son left home was the day dad started fattening up the cow ready for the boy to come home again. So this whole episode may have lasted approximately six months. My brother killed, or thy father killed the fatted calf because he has received him safe and sound. And listen, why is he the meanest man? And he was happy? No. He was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him, and he answering said to his father, Do you hear the hate in this? Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Listen to the pride of this man. Neither transgress. I at any time thy commandment, yet never gavest thou me a calf that I might make merry with my two friends that I've got. But as soon as this thy son was come, which has devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was necessary that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. Lord, take the simple words that we will speak this day, drive them home into the heart and spirit of every person here. Amen. Years ago, a man came into a psychiatrist and he told the psychiatrist that he was extremely unhappy. And that, that psychiatrist was extremely happy. And he thought, man, this guy has came in on the right day. Because I have got good news for you, buddy. You are extremely unhappy. I've got the cure for you. There's been a circus in town for three weeks. I went down there last night and I saw that clown. He is a world famous clown. That guy made everybody there so happy. Go and see that clown. And that man looked back at him and said, I am that clown. Yeah. Somebody's got a mother's heart. They went, oh, that's a mother's heart there. In America, we have more than any other country, and yet there are some of the most unhappy people on the planet. 
Yeah, but preacher, if I could just have a lot of money. There's people out there with a lot of money, but still unhappy. One guy said, I've seen that the have-nots are just, the haves are just as unhappy as the have-nots. So Jesus said these words, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things you possess. And I know some of you don't believe that, but that is true. And the irony of the story of the prodigal son is this. The man, the young man, he wanted happiness. He left home to find happiness. And he had to return home to actually find what he needed. How many years have you ever heard the story of acres of diamonds? Not very many. You're going to learn something here today. A man in South Africa years ago had a huge, a huge farm, and he had the wonder lust within him to find diamonds. If he could just find diamonds, and he sold his farm, huge acreage, hundreds and hundreds of acreage, and he spent years trying to find this world-class, world-famous diamond that would make him wealthy beyond any man's dream. And he searched out throughout Africa. He got a boat and went to South America only to return with nothing left back home to the ranch that he had sold and hired himself on as a worker on that ranch. And him and another man was walking down toward a creek bed that he had walked down a hundred times and there he found the largest diamond ever found in Africa. That is the story of acres of diamonds. The very thing that he was searching for, he sold it all to go get, and it was right in his backyard the whole time. If you can't be happy where you are, you can't be happy somewhere else. Because you're going to carry a problem with you no matter where you go. Well, what's my problem? Look in the mirror. And we all need help that we cannot get. And we need help that's apart from us. And that is from the Lord Jesus Christ. The average tenure for pastors in America is three and a half years. Why is that? Hey, it's the same message to preachers that it is to the congregation. If you can't be happy with who you are, hey, that's the point right there. They think that, well, I'll be, I'll be happy if I go over here and I preach to this other congregation. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Rick Stratton told me years ago, preacher, if you go somewhere else, the problems remain the same, the faces all change. Yeah, yeah. Happiness is not found in getting we got we got you we got new car salesmen that go to this church and they can attest to this fact. Happiness does not is not in you buying a new car. Happiness is not in you getting a new home. Happiness is not in getting married. You men are cowards out there. The, the prodigal son broke his father's heart. And yet the elder brother never ever understood what the heart of his father was all about. 
Jesus tells this story to a group of Pharisees, and the Pharisees were a group of people that had the law of God in their head. They did not have the love of God in their heart. And here's where the rubber meets the road. If all you have got is the law of God in your head, it's always going to be your right to hurt someone. It's always going to be your right to stone someone. Just like when they brought the woman taken into adultery and threw her at Jesus' feet and said, The law says, kill her! See, they had the law of God in their head, but they did not have the love of God within their heart. You show me a person that all they've got is the law of God, I'll show you a, a very lifeless, a very dead, a very meaner than a junkyard dog with age type of person. God is looking for us to have the law of God and the love of God working in our lives. Question, are you judgmental? See, this is a problem. If I'm willing to judge everybody I come in contact with and think they don't measure up, hey, God's willing to give me that same kind of treatment back. I don't want that. I don't want that. But on the contrary wise, if I'm willing to give out mercy to people, God would be willing to give out mercy to me. And that's what I want. See, perhaps the younger brother was not running to something. Perhaps he was running away from something. Perhaps he was running away from the judgmental, the very critical spirit of the elder brother. The woman who had been a prostitute and she had been born again and she was starting attending a church and she sat down in a seat and a woman came up to her and said, Miss, you have my seat. And the woman said, Well, I'll get up and find another seat. No, I wouldn't sit there now, but you sit there. That's the older brother spirit. God hates that. God hates that. Oh, the idea that somebody sitting next to me don't measure up. God hates that. God is looking as with the Father's heart, wanting for every prodigal to come home. The elder brother was angry that his younger brother had come home. See, the elder brother was a legalist. I got man-made rules. I stayed here and worked. You never give me a kid. I kept all the rules. I gritted my teeth the whole time I was doing it. I went to Bible study and hated it. I did all these things. Man-made rules. I never transgressed thy commandment at any time. Wrong. He sure did. He broke the greatest commandment of all. We love God and we love our neighbors as ourselves. There are whole people groups out there in churches that their whole idea of righteousness is if a woman has got long hair, if she's got a long dress that looks like she just stepped off a wagon train, if she's got long sleeves, and nine times out of ten, a long tongue to match. The young woman that came to church and had a sundress on and the pastor said, oh dear, You can't be wearing something like that because if Jesus would return right now, He would see your nakedness and He would leave you behind. Her comment back to him was, Preacher, what if the Lord comes back when I'm taking a bath? Good question. Good question. 
no, you cannot wear that sundress. It must have long sleeves. Listen, men, if a woman's armpit turn you on, you got a demon. <laughs> if you can be righteous by keeping a certain set of rules, I want you to go up with that screen for me, please, would you? Somebody take that screen up. If you can be righteous by keeping rules, some people never see, they never see the sinister side of this. If you can be righteous by keeping a certain set of rules, what you do, you downplay the importance of what happened on the cross. But we're going to go on this a little while here. Years ago, I heard a preacher preach, and he preached about how he saw a woman in, a, in Walmart, and she had her hair up, and oh, it looked it was in a bun. And I'm, here's my here's my long and short of that. A lot of that, a lot of that, how you look, how you dress, you know, got to have the bun up here. That's bondage is what that is. That's bondage. Where was I going here? The guy preached that sermon. But he'd seen that woman and she, her hair looked so good. And she had a long dress on. She had all this and that. I got home and I've known that guy most of my life, but I called him up and I, and I said, Sir, I respect you, but I couldn't disagree more with what your message was about. I said, let me ask you a question. Who was the holiest looking people when Jesus was on this planet? He wouldn't answer me. He, and he knew the answer. He wouldn't answer me. I said, I'm going to tell you who they were. They were the Pharisees. They were the holiest looking people on the planet. And Jesus said that drunkards and prostitutes and tax collectors would get into the kingdom of God before them. <laughs> Romans chapter 4, verse 24, 25. Well, before that, let's go, let's back up and see who Paul's talking about here. Paul's talking about Abraham. In verse 20, I'll go back up to verse 19, I won't have to explain it. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was a hundred years old. Neither did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not. I love that, and always have. He, somebody else, if God would have told him this, it would have been like hitting him with, a, with an axe handle. What? There's no way. Abraham staggered not at what God told him. That he was going to bear forth a son, and that son was going to bear forth blessing upon the whole world. And that has happened through the Lord Jesus Christ. He staggered not the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now we want to get down into this. And being fully persuaded that what God promised, God would perform. Now here it is. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. His faith in God, God said, I'm putting this in your account and I'm calling you righteous. 
You have belief in me and faith in me. I am calling you righteous. Now, watch what happens. Verse 24. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed. Here it is. You want to know the basis for righteousness? It's not, it's not how long your hair is. It's not how short it is. It's not about your clothes. Listen to it. If we believe on Him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our sins and was raised again for our justification. Read on down. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. I don't say nothing about what kind of clothes I wear. Nothing. There is the basis of righteousness. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, but preacher, our church preaches standards. Well, are they man-made standards or are they God standards? That's the question I would have. Galatians 1, Paul says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from the grace of Christ to preach another gospel. What was the other gospel? Salvation by works. And God is opposed to that because God will owe no man. You get to heaven and say, I worked thus and so, therefore let me in. God will never let you in on that standard. God owes no man. He will be in payment to no... What, what, what is the payment already made? Right here. And when I hear somebody preach that, oh, if you can just, if you'll be, uh, wear what we wear, go to where we go, do what we go, say what we say, walk like we walk, do all these things and be a big time cookie cutter Christian like all of us, therefore you will be saved. That does away with the cross. And the foolishness of the preaching of the cross is what sets men and women free. The older brother was angry. And condemning. He never says, my brothers, come home. This your son. Hear how evil that is? Not my brother. This your son has come home. He has spent your money on harlots. Question. How did he know that? He did not talk to the... He was out in the field. The young brother comes home. He is received to the father. They go into the, into the room. And the, the elder brother comes walking and he sees through the window and sees them dancing. He hears the music. He knows the festivity. He sees them in there eating. This thy son has spent your living among harlots. How did he know that? I think he was getting emails from his two friends that lived in the big city. Your brother is out here, wine, women, and song. And the older brother's thinking, here I am, keeping the rules. If I would leave, that's what I would do. See, he's a mad religious rule keeper. He has no relationship with the Father whatsoever. The elder brother lives his life without love. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians, without love, I am nothing. And the story ends with the elder brother on the outside looking in. And dad having to come out and trying to coax him inside. And it ends like that. The forgiving father 
made plans for that boy to come home. And the elder brother didn't want him to come home. You've seen it in the church. I've seen it in the church. See people that have left and come back. They've left. They fell into some type of sin. And they come back. What, preacher, what is the criteria? How are we supposed to treat those people? Like the father treated the son. Not how the elder brother reacted. Ernest Hemingway, in a short story, he tells about a Spanish dad and his son that their relationship was strained. And finally, the boy by the name of Paco, he leaves home. And he goes and moves to Madrid, Spain, and there lives for approximately a year. No, no hearsay, no, no news, no nothing from the boy. And the dad, finally, he cannot wait any longer, and he goes searching. And he goes to Madrid, and he looks everywhere he can possibly look. And finally, not knowing what to do, he put an ad in the newspaper and said, Paco, I'm looking for you. If you read this, I want you to show up at certain, certain day, 12 noon, in front of the newspaper office. I'll be there. I love you. I am forgiving you. I am longing to see you. The next day, the dad was there, and he was shocked to see what he saw. At 12 noon, there had been 800 Pacos show up. All of them wanting to experience the forgiveness and the love of a father. I can't get away from that. That's what this whole thing's about. It's not about the prodigal son. It's not about the elder brother. It's about the forgiving father. That's what it's all about. The whole story is about. And there are people here that need to feel the forgiveness that the father offers. But you've got to do what the prodigal did. You've got to come home. You've got to come home. I need a piano player and a song leader, please. This, uh, Luke chapter 15, one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. And in this, Jesus tells the story, again, He's talking with the Pharisees, and He tells the story of the coins. And I've preached that before. You've heard me say that it was a... Middle Eastern custom they'd use to this day. Women don't wear mother's rings. They wear semidies, which is a headband with either precious stones or, or some type of a coin that's within them. This woman had ten coins that she wore, and she lost one, and she went and searched for the coin until she found it. Here's the deal. The Pharisees, they understood that. They understood that. Yeah. Yeah, you you lost the coin. It's a value. It has the king's image on it. Also, it's a value because of sentimental reasons. We understand that. 
Jesus then tells the story of the 100 sheep and the 90 and 9 being safe in the fold and the one being lost. He understood that. Yeah, you want to go out and find that sheep. But when Jesus tells the story of the prodigal, this is what they didn't understand. This boy that would sink so low for a Jewish boy to go out and feed the swine and the pigs, they could not imagine anything any worse. They had no compassion for someone who had messed up and missed it on a big scale. They understood the coins. They understood the sheep. But they had no compassion for someone that had bloated on that scale. They had no compassion for that. No compassion for a human being. What a contrast between them and the forgiving Father. Would you all please stand? You might be just like one of those 800 tacos that was all looking for Dad to forgive them. And they was unsure and didn't know. But oh, oh, the Father wants to forgive. In this drama that you've seen, I watched Steve as a lot of this was unfolding. Because again, to me, this is the story. It's the Father. And the Father was praying. And the Father was crying out. And the Father wanted to see that boy return. Our Heavenly Father wants the same thing a million times over. There are people here in a crowd this size that needs to go to the Father. You're not coming to me. You're not coming to this church. You're bowing before the Father. I have a preacher. I've done a lot wrong. Hey, Abraham had been an idol worshiper. And he believed God. And God said, Ka-ching! I'm counting that into His account. And He is righteous right now before me. That's what God wants to do to us all. Add that to your account in a moment's notice. Covered the moment you call. Lord, I ask you to pray right now. God, by your Holy Spirit, touch and sweep through this place. Well, there are prodigals that's here today. And I ask and pray, God, that you would draw them to you. Lord, it's not, it's not big words, affluent words, it's not fancy words. It's your Holy Spirit that draws people. And I ask and pray now that you draw. Lord, this is not a church that's filled with elder brothers. This is not a church that looks down their nose at someone that goes to the altar and says, I wonder why they're up there. We're not a church like that. God, we're a church that's like the forgiving Father that's praying and asking for Your Holy Spirit to draw people. We will receive them with the grace and the love of Christ. Draw them now, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on right now.
you're here as a prodigal. And the Father is speaking to you. The Father wants to forgive you. Just as He has forgiven me countless others around this planet. Come on right now. Come on right now. There's a prodigal that's here right now today. Come on. Come on. Come on. This is not a room filled with elder brothers. This is a room filled with the heart of the Father that wants to see you come home.
in the name of every name, blessing and honor and glory and power, in Jesus we pray. I feel the forgiveness of God. I feel the love of God. The love of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, Lisa, where's she at? Lisa Childers, right there. Wave your hand. She came back to Christ this morning. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I, can 
I show you how this thing will work real quick? If we'll show the love of the Father, Mary Children, where's she at? Right, right there. That good-looking blonde right there. Uh, she prayed and prayed and prayed for Jeff to come to Christ. And that has been one of the highlights of the ministry that God has called me to. Seeing that man be born again. And in turn, now him and her both together, showing the heart of the Father and the Father's forgiveness. So many other people within their family have said yes to Jesus Christ. So many people that they know have said yes to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's how this thing's supposed to work. Praise God. Praise God. You're tuned in with the Underground Christian Network.